All right, so the uh, parents will be rejoining us uh, as they settle their children, and uh, they'll find their way in okay. But let's just uh, make a start. I want to speak to you this morning about what, what do you do when you hear God? What do you do? What do you do? How do you respond when you hear God? We've taken one or two clues from the, from the scripture. In 1 Samuel 3, a boy called Samuel, young boy, ministered before the Lord under Eli. Basically, he was kind of being trained. He was working in the temple. Uh, he didn't know the Lord. But it's an interesting thing. It says, in those days... The word of the Lord was rare. There was not many visions. There wasn't a lot of people hearing God or even responding to what they did hear. Let me read on. One night, Eli, whose eyes were becoming, this was the, really the, the prophet, the leader, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, was lying down in his usual place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out and Samuel was lying down in the house of the Lord where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called Samuel. Samuel answered, here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, here I am, you called me. <clears throat> but Eli said, I didn't call you. Go back and lie down. So he went and lay down. Again the Lord called <coughs> Samuel. Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. My son Eli said, I didn't call you. Go back and lie down. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. A third time, the Lord called Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. Then Eli realised that the Lord was calling the boy. So Eli told Samuel, Go and lie down. And if he calls you, and here's the thing that I want us to get hold of, if he calls you, if you here, then this is the way to respond. If he calls you, say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. The Lord came and stood there calling as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, speak, servant is listening. Three things, very, very important there. First of all, Lord. Speak Lord. That was, a, that was a recognition, a first step, an important step to that submission to say, I will call him Lord. I will recognise that he has 
an authority. Because if we recognise somebody has an authority, there's a readiness to listen and a readiness to respond. It says God's voice hadn't yet been revealed. That could be your situation. Perhaps you'd like to hear God's voice for the first time. That readiness to say, yes, Lord. Second thing he had to do was declare that position, servant. I am submitting to what you want. I'm laying aside everything else, all my thoughts, all my feelings. I am looking to hear what you want. It's not a time for debate, not a time for argument. It's a time for saying, yes, Lord, I am your servant, not servant to anything or anyone else. I'm listening. Only listening to what you want to hear isn't listening. It's filtering. Listening to hear what, Lord, you have to say. Some years ago, some of the leaders were telling me, quite a while ago, he said, uh, one of the girls in the church, one of the young women, um, she was very, very upset. And uh, they were telling me what happened was this, was that uh, the guy that she thought was for her was going with somebody else. But God told me God told me this was the one. So they said, well, okay. How did God tell you? Well, he kind of, I prophesied to myself. Yeah, that doesn't really work like that. You can't prophesy what you want, what you want to hear to yourself. That's not listening to God. That's listening to the clamour and claims of your own. So you've got to be clear that it's listening to God. I remember when I was thinking about this, I remembered uh, my, my parents were good. They had, in some respects, a more limited um, I suppose, exposure, experience. And my mother used to do this thing, which I now look back on, and it was a bit weird. But it meant something to her. If you were facing a really important thing, you know, like you were going to take some exam or something like that, she would say, okay, son, take a promise from the box. Now, the box was like a chocolate box, and in it was rolled up like little tiny uh, rolls of paper. 
um, and they were tightly packed. If you imagine like a honeycomb, and this box came equipped with a pair of tweezers, and it was like lucky dip, you know? So you, you, you took a promise. The only problem was, if, if God wanted to speak to you through that, he was very limited, because it was only the good things. There wasn't anything else. I mean, there was nothing in that box about repent or turn from your evil ways. And I mean, if you'd have pulled out and Judas went out and hung himself from that box, you would have been shocked. There's no danger of that. So it was selective hearing. It's limiting God to saying only what you wanted God to say. There are different ways of responding wrongly. Let's clear a few of those out. Because the important thing is what we've said. If God speaks, make sure you're listening. Lord, your servant hears. You can think, oh, I think that could be God. But I I know that my life is not right, I'm not worthy. Kind of almost sort of cringing away from it. Or, but I can't believe it. Or, I was so excited. What was it? He was so, I'm just so excited he spoke. I can't remember what he said. These are things that happen. And I'm trying in this to help us to see. Then, of course, there's the biggie. It, can't, it cannot be true. The issue of doubt. It's one of the biggest things that the enemy uses is the issue of doubt. Right from the beginning, it was a certain said to Eve, did you really hear? Was it really that? Can it really be the Lord? Sometimes you know if you doubt something, one minute, if I'm doubting it, it could be that that in itself is a very real confirmation that this is something that God is saying and doing. Don't disqualify yourself. Oh, I can't believe that God will speak to me. We'll cover that when we come on a little bit. Don't disqualify yourself. And be careful that you fail to listen because it's not what you want to hear. These are really, really key things. What do you do when you hear God? Now Mary, the mother of Jesus, she heard a... I mean, if you look through the things that were said to her, uh, the, the prophetic words of things the angel said, I mean, that's, that's a whole download of stuff. I mean, to try and take that on. Uh, but equally, not a good idea to just dismiss it because it's too much. The Bible says that Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. So clearly it wasn't all for then. Clearly there was a sequence of things. But rather than dismiss it or ignore it or come against it, actually just holding it 
in the heart. Let God work it out. She didn't know how it would work out, but she didn't dismiss it. So this is kind of a bit about how we avoid and just missing it. But let's think about how we do hear God. The helps to how, how we hear God. Here's the first thing. This is the most important thing. John 10 tells us this. My sheep hear my voice. If you are born again of the Spirit of God, if you have made Jesus your Lord, if you have chosen to believe that Jesus died, was raised from the dead, and God has made him Lord over all, and you choose to make him Lord over all, And at that point, God gives you the ability to actually believe and do that. The Bible says it's like being born again. If you're in that case, in that situation, you become one of his sheep. It's not my sheep can try and hear my voice. My sheep hear my voice. You've entered into a a love relationship with someone who loves and cares for you and speaks to you. The expectation, therefore, is that everyone who submitted to Jesus, trusting in him, can hear, will hear his voice. Do not let any demon from hell try to tell you otherwise, because that is a lie. What's it like? It can confirm something that's already there, beginning to stir a thought, an idea. Or it can start something which begins to grow into his purpose. As we said earlier, it can be accompanied by doubts. Did God really say that? I mentioned before, oldest trick in the book, what the serpent said in Eden. Did God really say that? Sometimes the very issue of doubt confirms it's what God is wanting and saying. Then, of course, is it in line with the word of God? God doesn't tell tell us something that's contrary to his word. God will not tell us to go and rob a bank because that's stealing and that's contrary to his word or any other form of stealing, diddling the books or anything like that. We don't often get tempted to rob a bank it's out of favour these days here's the good news hearing God isn't like sort of walking on a tightrope if I just don't get it right I could fall off it's not like that he's our guide He's the one who loves us, who takes us and cares for us and leads us. We haven't got to live in the realm of what if I get it wrong, what if I make a mistake. Then there's the importance of faithful friends. God sets us in a body. He gives us those who we can look to, who will stand with us. In fact, underlines that in 1 Corinthians 2, when he says, We, we, that is plural, that is more than one, have the mind of Christ. There's something very, very valuable 
in that sharing with those who you can look to. And so I feel God is, is, is saying this. And share together, line it up with the word. There's a story in 1 Kings about Rehoboam. And this group came to him and they said, look, your father put some hard things upon us. Uh, can, can you kind of ease it up a bit? I mean, it doesn't exactly say that. I'm just giving you my translation of it. So he says, this is quite a smart move. He said, I won't make an immediate response. Give me three days. I'll give you an answer in three days. Sometimes it's good to take a little time. Sometimes pause before we jump or answer. And let these things settle in with us, what God is saying. So what he does, he goes to um, those that were advisors of his father. And they gave him some interesting advice. Yeah, look, they're asking for a bit of easing up, a bit of release. If you do this, you'll get, you know, they'll be with you. They'll like you. It'll be good for you. Corrupted advice. It's not about what's good for him. It's what God wants. So he goes to another group. The Bible describes it as the people he'd kind of been around him, grown up with him. And they said the opposite. They said, no, uh, do not ease this, give them an easing of this situation and request. It's interesting that these were the people, they weren't necessarily as um, recognised, but they were people that were close to him. And people that were looking to get it right rather than just kind of politically expedient. And in the course of that, he remembers, ah, wait a minute, it comes back to me now what the prophet, Ahijai, or Ahijai, you can pronounce it how you like, Basically, ah, this was the word of the Lord. Oh, we can't change that. This is just confirming what God has said. Important that we hear and receive. We've tried to do that. Tried to do that over the years. Spoke recently about that. God told us, pour out the oil. Out of doing that, an interesting, I don't want to go into the time it takes to tell the story now, but out of what God told us to do, it led us to the things that God has engaged us in across the different countries of the world. Investing in the next generation was another thing. There are a number of things that God has set into this community as prophetic guiding words. Important that we stick with them. in seeking to respond to what he's saying. There can be obstacles, but there's always provision to do what he said. You know, it's funny what God does. 
So at the beginning of last week, I was thinking about today, and I was just sitting in the chair, and this phrase came to me, and I knew immediately that this is what God wanted us to, to share together today. What do you do when I speak? And as, as I got this, there were a number of thoughts came. I need to write these down. And so I went across and tried to get hold of a pen and paper, but with my limitations, that was difficult. They ended up on the floor. At that moment, at that moment, the phone rang. And it was Jamie calling, and I just told him. He said, oh, I'm right here, I've got my computer, just tell me and I'll put it down. I thought, hmm, it was difficult to do what he said. There was an obstacle, but he provided a way around it. When Peter was in the boat and realised it was the Lord walking on water, what was the word? Come. Come. That was all he needed. That was, that was the evidence, the opportunity. All right, he faltered a little bit and Jesus was there to help him. But the, the doing of what he said. In fact, if you remember when they were crossing the lake, he said, we're going to go to the other side of the lake. And then he was in, this is a different time, he was in the boat. And they all got very, very disturbed because of the, and these are people that were used to being in boats and the strength of the storm uh, was, was frightening for them. What they'd forgotten was, he said, we're going to the other side of the lake. Do you know what was going to happen? They were going to go to the other side of the lake because what he says, he also brings to pass. One final thing on this, what not to do. If he tells you something, don't disobey. That's not a good idea. I heard a lot as I was growing up the story of Jonah. My mother used to tell it. I think it was the only story from the Bible that she kind of remembered. I could sing you a little song. Oh, listen to my tale of Jonah and the whale. Wound down in the middle of the ocean. How did he get there? Whatever did he wear? Way down in the middle of the ocean. I could go on. There's more to it. I'm risking it because my wife has gone out with the children, grandchildren. But I know one of you will, 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 will split on me. So you've lost the benefit of that. He disobeyed. I mean, how can, I was going to say, how can you do it? But probably, if we're honest, most of us will be able to recognise, yeah. So God tells him to go preach Nineveh. Oh, I don't fancy that. I don't like the idea of that. You know, what they do to prophets there. This is not a good idea, God. I've got a better idea. Go down to the port, jump on a ship going in the opposite direction. 
Well, we all know the story. Well, if you don't know the story, there was a terrible storm. He decided it was him that was the problem. So he had them throw him in the water and got swallowed by a whale. I don't fancy that. I mean, that's an extreme situation. You imagine in the belly of a whale, slopping around with sort of plastic bags and disused Coke cans and seaweed and... I mean, that's a bit extreme in order to kind of focus on, I think it's better to do what he says rather than do the opposite. Don't disobey. Let's think about who we're hearing from. Somebody who has our best interests at heart. Somebody who loves us, a friend. Says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. You see, this God, who loves us so much he gave his one and only son for us, he's not wanting us to sit in meetings, but he wants us to be functioning members of his body, equipped, hearing his voice, hearing his word, not just in a functional sense, but you know, if you love somebody and you care for them and you're in relationship with them, it's kind of quite nice to talk to them and listen to them and hear them. That's what he wants. And then he can direct us as he speaks to us. It's very purposeful, but he's got our best interests at heart. Let me come back again. All my sheep hear my voice. Now, he knows his sheep and he speaks in different ways. And I want Rody just to come and tell us because I think it's interesting to see that, uh, well, let her tell the story um, for us. Okay, I'm just going to read this. Um, so... I grew up in the church, and when I was a teenager, God seemed to be meeting with people in quite dramatic ways. So there was a lot of people falling over and shouting out and loud crying, and I just found it really freaky, um, and I wasn't really up for that stuff happening to me, even though I did want more of God. So I felt automatically like, well, I'm in a bad place because I'm not willing for God to do what he wants. This isn't very good. And I also felt that nothing ever happened for me. Like, I've literally been in a line of people getting prayed for, and every single other person falls on the floor, and I'm standing there. I've cried, you know, sometimes in church, but I've never had that laughing thing. And when I first started speaking in tongues, it wasn't in a meeting that anyone was praying for me. It was just a time of quiet prayer and house group. So someone was once talking to me about my testimony, and I said I didn't really feel like I had much of a story. And they asked, what about when you were filled with the Holy Spirit? And I said, I didn't really know if I had been because of everything that I just talked about. I couldn't point to any instance of feeling anything dramatic or falling over or even just feeling overwhelmed by God in the way that people talk about. And that person knew me pretty well. 
And they said that instead I should look for the fruit of the Holy Spirit in my life. And if I saw the fruit, and they said that they did see it in me, then it was reasonable to conclude that I was full of the Holy Spirit. And I found that thought really help, helpful ever since. Um, it's similar to something Jamie said once about how we need to help each other see God's fingerprints on our life. The most dramatic experience I've ever had of God remains something that happened not in a church meeting, but on my own in my bedroom. Um, I know that I hear from God. Sometimes I feel full of joy or full of peace. Sometimes I start praying about something and I suddenly get really into it in a way that I know doesn't just come from me. So just because meeting with God doesn't look like it does for some other people doesn't mean that he is not interested in meeting with me and can't meet with me in different ways. And something that might be particularly relevant for young people who've grown up among us, we sometimes talk about returning to our first love for God the first time that we met him. I can't really relate to that at all. Um, Because rather than suddenly having an experience of like the lights coming on or going from not knowing to knowing or not loving to loving God, I've kind of felt like I've always known him in a way. And that is what we want for our kids, right? But I know that I do know him and I love him more now than I ever have previously. So although there's been bumps along the road, it's kind of been a continuous progression and that's okay. Thanks, Rody. Now it's good to remember after all he is God uh, and we are his servants I don't think we can kind of dictate how he's going to speak to us because he is God and uh, it's important therefore uh, we might be wanting God to address one particular matter but he speaks about something else but it's still God. We might want him to speak in a particular way, some of the things Rody was describing, but he chooses a different way. We might want him to speak at a particular moment, and yet he chooses something different the next day. He's God. We're not in the place of determining that. The weather, the matter that we're considered about or the method that we want him to speak, or the moment that we want him to speak. We have to leave those things to God. But this one thing we do know, my sheep hear my voice. It is in the purpose of God. He wants to speak to us. We can hear him. Faith comes by hearing, hearing the word of God. So actually, it's pretty essential. It's not like an added byproduct, something like a sort of add-on extra. It's vital to our living that we hear from God, essential, so that the, we can walk by faith. You know, you might not always look cool, might not always look smart to listen to God and do it, but we never lose out if we're willing to act what we think he said might be wrong might make a mistake might look foolish but we never lose out I always think about Epaphroditus you know he it's very interesting when we 
when Mark McGrath was opening up this story to us and he'd looked up the original meanings and what it basically says that Epaphroditus basically chanced all on the roll of a dice. That doesn't exactly say that, but if you go into the original meaning, and lost. Even to the point of nearly losing his life. But here we are, talking about him. Somebody who God used, God spoke to, and God commended. You don't lose out by trusting God and committing your way to him and saying hearing God is vital. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you that you are a God who loves us, not some distant deity, but a father, a friend, one that sticks closer than a brother. Lord, in these days we recognise the need to hear you. But Lord, we submit to the fact that we can't choose what you say and we can't choose how you say it. But Lord, we just declare before you now at this time, we are a people that live by your word and we need, Lord, to constantly hear you. And therefore, Lord, we say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Will you help us, Lord, to take that position? Will you grant to us, Lord, the joy and the privilege of constantly hearing your voice. Lord, because we love you, simply because you first loved us. And communion with you has got to be the sweetest thing. Lord, this day, we turn from ourselves, we turn from our ideas, we turn from our ignorance. Lord, we want to be a people that hears your voice. We declare, Lord, we won't prescribe how that's to be. But Lord, by your grace, we'll listen and be obedient to what you say. Amen.